I'm excited for the privilege to uh, uh, preach to you guys today. I want to start out with a, a little trivia, a little modern church trivia. Do you, know, you guys know what the biggest church in America is? The biggest church in America. I'll give you a few hints. It's in the, it's in the Bible Belt. It's in the buckle of the Bible Belt. It's in Texas. The biggest, the biggest church. Let me give, I'll give you a few more hints. On any given Sunday, there are 93,000 people that go to this church. It's big. It's big. There are uh, 3 million square feet is their church. They have a 16,000 square foot restaurant in this church. Okay? Some of you are scratching your heads like, I bet they pass the plate a lot. Okay? One one more clue. At one time, they had the largest high definition TV. Okay? It was 71 feet tall and 160 feet wide. Any ideas? We have a clue. We have a picture of the pastor. Here, that might help. Okay. Is this helpful? Do you know, do you know where I'm going? Okay. We got a picture of the church. Okay. All right. All right. We have a picture of some of their worshipers worshiping. Right. Y'all see where I'm going with this? I'm, I'm kidding about the church part. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. What is it that makes 93,000 people gather Sunday after Sunday, week after week, 93,000 people get together and worship? What is it about that? I can tell you, God's thumbprint on all of our lives is that we are worshipers. We worship So the question is today, not will we worship, but rather, what will we worship? What will we worship? Um, the, The Bible really says, on repeat, on repeat, if we worship anything other than Jesus Christ, the Bible calls that idolatry. And that's kind of, I mean, it's not very exciting, but that's what we're going to talk about today. I promise the end will be exciting. Um. Think of, think of your life like this. If you, if you think about it, you're in, and the Bible speaks of this, at the center of you is your heart. And at the center of your heart is a throne. And whatever sits on the throne of your heart, that thing you worship, you bow, you bow down to, you sacrifice for. And just like I said, if that thing that sits on your heart or that person that sits on your heart is not Jesus Christ then we're suffering from idolatry. Um, let's, uh, l- let's go and see what Paul says about this. I always like what Paul has to say. He uh, pretty much cuts straight to the chase. We'll look at Romans 1, 21 through 25. Uh, it says, uh, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. You know, that sounds a lot like the South. You know, we all know Jesus. A lot of people in the South know Jesus. I mean, we're, we're religious. It says, yes, they knew God, but guess what? They wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. 
and they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Idolatry, you'll see this. I'm going to kind of do a, a commentary on each verse, but idolatry, big idea. Idolatry always, always has consequences. Always has consequences. All right, let's go to the next verse. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, here's the consequence, they instead became utter fools. Verse 23, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, that sounds better, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, before we say, oh, poor primitive people, Worshiping the sun because they don't know Jesus like us. I promise you, I promise you today, we'll get to your idol. Okay, so let's not, uh, let's not think ourselves more advanced than we should because I promise you today we'll get to your idol, hopefully. All right, and then verse 24. And so God abandoned them. That's a consequence of idolatry right there. To do whatever shameful things their hearts desired As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. That sounds familiar in the news if you watch it. And so verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie. That's the essence really of idolatry. Really it is. It's saying, saying, uh, you know, I know what you say, God, uh, but I think I've got the truth, you know, and I appreciate your, your concept of the truth. Uh, and so they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator. How, how silly does that sound? That we would have a, a powerful, all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, a loving God, and we would say, eh, I think I'll take something you created over you. That's, again, that's the essence of, of idolatry. Uh, and the things that God created, and so the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. Okay? Wayne, uh, Wayne kind of alluded to the fact that you have a card in your bulletin. If you have that bulletin and that card, would you take it out? This, we're going to use this. I'm a visual guy. I think visuals help people remember things. Guys, idolatry, idolatry in our lives denies this fact right here. Idolatry says, I know you, Jesus, but I don't believe that you're better than whatever it is else in our life that we're going to worship. Whatever that thing is on the throne of our hearts, we we say, "Eh, I don't really think, Jesus, I don't really think you're better. Um, So we're going to do this. Um, the, The deal with idolatry is it's so insidious. It's so hard to see. Now I can see it in my wife's life. (laughs) You know, you can see it in your friend's life, but in your own life, it is so hard to see. So guess what? We need a helper. We need the helper that Jesus Christ sent to us, the Holy Spirit. So I know some of you are nervous because I hadn't prayed yet. We're going to pray right now. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and help us see where we're all blind. And, that, and that's in the, in the area of our idols. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to pray, and, and I want you to kind of pray while I'm praying, and just invite the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you and show you, because idolatry is so hard to see.
Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. We invite you into this place. We invite you into our hearts. And we pray that you would shine your flashlight on our hearts, that you would pop that mirror up of God's word and just show us, Father, show us, Jesus, show us, Holy Spirit, where we've said that Jesus is not better. Show us, please. We need your help. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we're going to start out, this is going to get a little personal, we're going to start out asking three sort of diagnostic questions. Um, we're going to go idol hunting, so I know this may feel like, a little bit like Indiana Jones, uh, but we're going, to, we're going to start looking for the idols in our lives, and we're going to look at three diagnostic questions, and really they're emotional questions. The deal with our emotions is... You can, uh, you can get to the bottom or the source of an emotion, and you can lift that rock up, and a lot of times there will be your idol. So we're going to use our emotions real quick to begin this journey of looking for our idols in our life. Let me ask you a question. What makes you angry? I'm not talking about, like, you know, kick the floor. I'm talking about, like, mad. Like my mama used to say. She still says it. She said, what? What makes you mad enough you're just going to spit nails? Right? What, what gets you so mad that you might could physically hurt somebody if you could just get at them and it wasn't at church where somebody could see you? Right? What, what just ruins your day? Is it when somebody disrespects you? Is it when somebody gets credit for something you thought you should get credit for? What, what is it? Put your finger on what it is that in just an instant it can set you off. Maybe it's somebody, maybe it's something, maybe somebody lies to you, steals from you. All of those things, whatever that thing is that makes you mad, if you were to lift that rock up, I guarantee you, you'll possibly find an idol. Okay, second question. What makes you sad? What, and not just, you know, we all get sad about things, but like, I'm talking about like maybe can't get out of the bed in the morning or just, man, I just, I can't go on. I'm, I'm sad. I'm, I'm depressed. What, what is it, that thing that you just, you can't get over? Turn that rock over in your mind right now. What, what's underneath it? Could be an idol. Third question. What causes you to have fear? What are you scared of? I'm, I'm not talking about snakes or something like that. I'm talking about not phobias or anything like that. But what do you just, what just grips your heart with fear? Is it losing someone? Maybe a child? Maybe a spouse? What is that thing that if it happened, you're just not sure if you could go on anymore, go on living? I mean, I'm, I'm talking about serious. What is it that you're scared of? Okay, we're hunting for our idols. All right, we're going to drill down a little deeper now. Um, Timothy Keller, I don't know if you guys know him. He's a, a Christian writer, pastor. He wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. And in that, he has four 
what he calls root idols. So I'll explain the difference. So you have a surface idol. That would be, so you look at somebody, we all know people who they seem to just worship money. They just can't get enough of it. However, what's the root behind them needing to make all kinds of money? Really, the money is really just a symptom, a surface idol for a deeper idol. Really. And that, that idol could be fear, it could be control, power, whatever that money does, it feeds that idol. That idol is a root idol. We're going to talk about four of them today. Um, and I want, to do, I want to do this. So this is where the card is going to come in. So let's get our cards ready. We're going to do two things, Okay. We're going to look at these four idols, and every time we look at these four root idols, we're going to do two things. We're going to say, we're going to name it and claim it. That's actually two things, but we'll do them at the same time, so it's just one. We're going to name it and claim it if it applies to us. Okay, this is the powerful part of this sermon. If we leave here without naming it and claiming it, we've lost. Okay? I get to your idol, you've got to name it and claim it, and then you've got to speak the truth of Jesus over your idol. And this is what we say. Jesus is better. Because remember, at the root of idolatry, you're saying, Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you saved me. I know my sins are forgiven, but you're just not enough. And we're going to say, no, Jesus, you're better than this idol that I have just discovered. Okay. So, so four root idols, let's look at them. The first one is power. Okay, and you may, you may hear this, I'm not, I don't look for power, I don't, I'm not that guy, you know, you see them on TV and they run some big business or whatever, that's not me, just hold on for you, before you say it's not you. So power is a longing for influence and recognition, influence and recognition. I'm going to ask you a few questions, these are going to be tough. Do you always have to be Right? Okay, you always have to be right. It's getting kind of dangerous. Okay, we're shining the flashlight around. We're looking for these idols, right? We're going to name it and claim it. Do you have trouble giving other people credit or congratulating other people? Okay, am I getting warm? Are you harsh with your words when you feel that you've been disrespected? Guys, we, 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 we love respect. And we get mad when we, when we are disrespected. Okay. How about at church? Okay, now I'm meddling. How about at church? You feel the need to be in control at church? You have an, an opinion about the people who are in charge at church? Okay. Do you need to be the center of attention? Right? The loudest one, the funniest one, the life of the party. This translates back, back to a power issue that you might have. And guess what? Insecurity, insecurity is a power idol that has not been fed. Did y'all know that? You got the power idol and it's not getting fed, you become insecure. And you got to be the loudest guy, the funniest guy. And it's, an, and it's a power idol. 
at the heart of the power idol is, is this. By the way, if you, a power idol, if it's left unchecked, it can get bad. You can have sexual addictions. Pornography is an issue of power. Um, verbal abuse, spousal abuse. I mean, it can just, it can wreck your life if you don't name and claim this idol in your life. So what we're going to do, am I speaking to you today? We're going to name it and claim it and say, Jesus, you are better than this need for power that I have. Okay? At the heart of this power idol, you're saying, Jesus, you're not enough. And Jesus says, my power is sufficient in your weakness. On repeat, throughout the Bible, it talks about humility. It talks about dying to self. It talks about the last shall be first. And we don't buy into it. We say, no, what I need is power. No, what you need is Jesus because he's better. Okay, have I offended anybody yet? Let's go to number two. The root idol of control. Control is a longing to have everything go according to my plan. Okay, there's got to be somebody in here who's got the control idol. Control says... Uh, everything, is this your motto, by the way? Everything in its place, a place for everything and everything in its place. You have a label maker at home? Okay, I, I may have crossed the line there. Con- control uh, basically shows up. Do you have fear and anxiety when things don't go the way that you had planned them to go? You had it all mapped out, how it was going to go, and your husband screwed it up, just like he always does. Right? I printed him out a sheet, gave him directions. He still messed it up. Sorry, ladies. All right, guys, you retired people, do you find yourself obsessing over where the stock market is? Uh, took a two-point dive today. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Probably going to have to quit tithing. Looking for an uptick. How about the weather? Isn't that silly to obsess over the weather? But some, especially you guys, you, me too, but like your weather app is just like, it's like constantly on. Like you've worn the button out. Looks like it's going to rain. We were talking about that last night. I had a graduation party. Uh, and the big consensus was, it's either going to rain or it's not. And, that, and that's where I stand. <clears throat> Would you laugh at the idea of God asking you to move? If you would, if you wouldn't even consider it, Maybe you need to be in control, and that's your idol. Are you worried right now that I'm going to go long and you're going to miss out on the coffee and probably somebody's visiting is going to get your seat in Sunday school? 
What about the coffee? You might have a control idol. I'll tell you a little story, um, and I don't know if this ha- what what idol this fits in, but I'll just I'll just tell you. My son uh, Cole McGee there uh, started karate about five years ago, and uh, and then we started going to the tournaments. He started getting pretty good, uh, and we just decided. By the way, this is just a good principle. Whenever you start anything new, you need to set up some boundaries. So that thing, whatever that new thing is in your life, it doesn't start to become a, a, an idol. Uh, so we, we just said, we're not going to miss a Sunday because we're away at a karate tournament. That's, that's pretty simple, pretty easy, I think straightforward. Well, this year rolls around. Um, he is first in the United States in sparring, in, in points, fighting. And the last tournament rolls around, and he, but he's second in the nation. Okay, it's pretty. It's a pretty big deal uh, in points. And if he would go to this last tournament in Houston and win it, by the way, he got first place in every tournament that he fought in this year. Uh, and, and if he won, he would be first in the nation in fighting and uh, in in there in the USKA. And so I was like, hmm, you know, that thing, that, I, that boundary that I put around this thing, you know, we, we could just kind of separate a little bit and, and I'll, you know, we'll come back. Um, but, it would, you know, go to Houston, get this last tournament. We'd have to miss church, but God would understand, you know, because he wants Cole to be a winner, you know, obviously. And so, uh, so I came to him. I said, uh, buddy, what do you think? You know, we could just, we go to Houston, go down there kick some butt, be, fir- be first. And uh, there's two things that, that, that he kind of remembered. We're not, he had, one thing, he had already committed to go to Jack Elliott's birthday party. He reminded me of that. And the second was, we're just not going to miss church, Dad. And I was like, you little rascal. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what? He was right. And he remembered that boundary that we put around that new thing in our life. And he was right. He was right. All right, I don't even remember where we're at now, but control, I think. Is it control? Yeah. Control, um, really the idol of control says, Jesus, I know that you're all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords, but I don't trust you to be in control of my life. So I'm going so to do some other things. I'm going to make some arrangements. You know, I think you can help me out sometimes, but just as sort of a backup plan, you understand, Jesus. You know, I'm going to have this thing sitting over here in the side, just, just a parachute, if you will. You know, no, no big deal. That's your idol. Control. All right, let's go to number three. Oh, this is... This is so prevalent. The, the root idol of approval, a longing to be accepted and desired. Longing to be accepted and desired. Jesus is better. We're hunting idols. All right, let's go. A few questions. If you receive 10 compliments and one criticism, and that one criticism ruins your day. 
I have to tell you, I over-prepare when I preach because I don't want anybody coming and say, you really didn't, I didn't really get the feeling that you studied hard enough. So I obsess over that when I preach and, and worry about it. Stomachs in knots. And really, you know, if I've done my best and I'm prayed up and I've dealt with the sin in my life, what, what else? What else is there to do? Do you obsess over what people think of you? You, you, are you constantly trying to guess where you stand with other people? You're like, ah, oh, she posted on something on Facebook, and I'm. Does that mean she doesn't like me? Or maybe she didn't reply to a text or him. I'm pretty sure that means she's mad with me. Do you lie about your failures? Do you conceal your sin so that other people don't know exactly who you are? Have you ever compromised a conviction that you had in order to make somebody else happy? This could be a conviction about drinking that you have, where it's socially acceptable, but you just say, I'm just not going to do it, but in order to fit in. This could be sex. Could be could be any, anything. Anything you have a conviction about that you set that conviction aside because you want other people to like you. Maybe it's gossip. You said, I'm just not going to participate in that. But yet, you find yourself in your group gossiping because you don't want to be left out. Are you a workaholic because you want the approval of your boss? Are you a yes man or a yes woman? Remember that Jim Carrey movie? Here is the, now we're, we're idol hunting, okay? And we say people's approval is better than Jesus, ultimately. At the end of the day, when the, your idol is approval, you're saying, Jesus, thank you, but I need the approval of other people. This, this right here denies the gospel. It denies the gospel. It says, Jesus, your death and resurrection on the cross is not enough. The fact that that um, you made me right with my heavenly Father through your death and resurrection, that, that, that's not enough. I, I need the approval of my peers. We're looking for idols. We need to name it, claim it, and speak the truth of Jesus Christ over that idol. You need Jesus. And that's it, period. And you'll have better friendships because of it. To put the burden of your idolatry on somebody else, whether it be a husband or a wife. You know, a husband makes a great spouse, makes a terrible God. I'm going to break that to you, ladies. Ladies, you make a wonderful spouse. You make a terrible God. No offense. But really, that takes the burden off of the spouse and puts it on Jesus Christ where it belongs. Okay, last one. I know 
I know there's somebody in here that suffers from this. Because we just want to be comfortable. I just love comfort. Comfort is a longing for pleasure and happiness. You know what's funny? I got to just kind of looking at this, um, this principle. If you look at sales and marketing, if I, can, if I can make you believe that my product will make you happy, you know what you're going to do? You are going to buy it. Sales and marketing is just me convincing you that my product will make you happy and you will buy it. And you'll buy it again when it wears out or you lose it. Okay? When, what do you run to when you're stressed out? By the way, if you're a comfort guy, comfort gal, you try to avoid being stressed out. Because stress is not fun. Because I want to be happy. Where do you run to when you're down? When you want to be made to feel better? Let me give you a, a little theology. This, this, I think this is biblical. I wouldn't share it if I didn't. A little theology on alcohol. Okay? We fall off the horse on two sides on alcohol. We say, absolutely no way. We talk, to, talk about it like we talk about sex. You know, Just don't do it. Okay? The Bible doesn't say that. But here's my philosophy, and I think the Bible speaks to this. If I am asking alcohol to do anything in my life that Jesus could do, like if it's been a long day, and I feel the need to drink a couple of beers after work, ladies, glass of wine, and instead I could say, Jesus, man, it has been a tough day. It has been a long day. Can you just help me unwind a little bit? My philosophy is if you're asking alcohol to do that instead of Jesus, might have a problem there. Might have a problem. Okay, do you worship the weekends? Somebody in the 80s had a song, Everybody's Working for the Weekends. I sounded like Joe just then, didn't I? Okay, do you worship a season? Deer season, duck season, fishing season, football season, baseball season, basketball season. Does your life revolve around the seasons? Do you buy things in hopes that those things will make you happy? Do you have a garage full of things that you thought would make you happy? Have you had a building built where you now store the things that you thought would make you happy. How about this? Are your prayers ever like, God, get me out of this? Or are your prayers, God, get me through this? Because I know that you're up to something and I'm interested to see what it is. Woo. Okay, at the heart of comfort... The root comfort idol is denying the fact that Jesus should be our great and mighty comforter. I'm pretty sure the Bible says that. You're saying, Jesus, I don't really buy into the fact that you're better. 
So I need some things, and I need it to be the weekend, and I need 15 vacations, and I need this and that, and maybe a little bit of Jesus on Sunday, and then I'll feel comforted. And Jesus said, I'm your comforter. Run to me. I'm all you need. Okay? Name it. If that's you, claim it and speak the truth of Jesus over it. Okay? Idolatry has consequences. Let's look at Romans 1, uh, 28 through 32. Idolatry has consequences. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, okay? How foolish is it to think that Jesus is not better than your idols? Guess what? God abandoned them. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Idolatry has consequences. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Now, some of you are saying, oh, that's not really, I don't do those things. I've certainly never murdered anybody. Let, let your idolatry go unchecked today. Walk out of here having not named it, claimed it, and spoken the truth of Jesus over it and see where it leads to you. I, I'm scared enough that, that, that God may just abandon me. Amen? All right, next verse. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. And I love this last part. They disobey their parents. Now, I'm not sure how that applies, but it, idolatry has consequences. Somebody needed to hear that last part. All right, 31. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. Idolatry has consequences. Next verse. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Idolatry has consequences. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. It's pretty serious. Please, I'm going I'm to beg you. Please don't leave here today without naming your idol, claiming it, saying, Jesus, I, I, you've shown me. Holy Spirit, you've shown me. And then speak the truth over your idol because idolatry has consequences. I want to close with this idea on salvation and God abandoning people who will not release from their idolatry. There's this weird thing that goes on, especially in churches in the South, where somebody feels like that they can pray a prayer, come forward, fill out a card, become a church member, you know, get baptized, and never deal with their idolatry. 
the root behind that is they want a Savior for when they die. They don't want a Lord of their life while they're living here on this earth. And you don't get Jesus as your Savior unless Jesus is your Lord. You set your idols down. I set my idols down. And I say, Jesus, you're better. You are not saved until you say, Jesus, you're better. The essence of salvation is Jesus. You're better than my sin. And I want to live for you. So think about your power, your comfort, the people you feel like you you need to impress. Think about your anger, what makes you sad, fearful. Give it to Jesus and tell him that he is better. Let's pray. I hope that that somebody is here and the Holy Spirit has shown them that they, maybe they made a decision when they were a child. They checked the box and prayed the prayer and got wet. But they never turned their idols over and made Jesus the Lord of their life. If you're in any of the categories today, I want you to know you can leave here with Jesus being your Savior and the Lord of your life. If this is the... What's on your heart right now? If you will, just pray this prayer. You can say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am an idolater. I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're God's son and that you died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life. And from this day forward, I want to worship and serve you. Amen. This sermon is really about a response. It really is. It's about a response. Um, I hope it's been thought-provoking. We've invited the Holy Spirit to come in and do his work. That he does so well. I want to ask you again, please don't leave here without confronting your idols. If you need to come and pray at the altar, I think that would be a wonderful sign to Jesus Christ that you're saying that he's better. If you need to give your life to Christ today, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. Down front, after the service, don't let this time pass without making some sort of decision.